Hey, good morning, everyone, and welcome to Tina K. Raw, where you're going to hear from extraordinary people encouraging real talk for self-growth. Because real life is not filtered, it just is. And today's topic is, is a difficult one for me, but it's necessary. It's necessary to move forward in our lives to, to be real with, with what has really taken place, what really is in our life, what is reality, not what we wish it was, not what we wish it were, not what we wish it, how it had been, what it really was and what it really is. And today I woke up and I want you to remember this as you listen to this podcast. I woke up having a dream, very vivid dream. I was holding my mom in my arms. I was sitting in a chair. I was holding my mom in my arms. I did not feel, uh, (laughs) what, what can you say, squished. I did not feel that she was too heavy to sit in my lap. She was laying in my arms. She was lying in my arms. And we were both sobbing, both crying. She was weak. She was frail. There was so much love, so much respect for one another, so much forgiveness as I held her and we both cried. Now, my mom, she is still alive. My mom is about, what, I don't know, 2,000 miles from where I am now. She's in an assisted living facility. And I was able to go back and visit her about a month, month and a half ago. And thankfully, uh, gratefully, I, I was able to ask her if I could hug her. And she extended her arms, and I was able to just just hold her. Like I felt this morning. You know, she wasn't in my lap. She wasn't completely vulnerable, but yet the most vulnerable. I had probably ever seen my mom or recall seeing my mom in my life. There was no real vulnerability that, that I witnessed growing up. Now, I want you to remember that because as... I tell you what I'm about to share with you. It'll seem as though I have resentment, uh, that I have anger, that I uh, feel sorry for myself for some of the things that uh, I experienced throughout my life. And quite the contrary, quite the opposite. I'm thankful that I finally know the truth. I'm thankful that I understand why some of the things I do and did in my marriage, I understand the things now so that I could repair them and have the most open and loving and intimate relationship with my husband of 25 years and uh, with my children, able to have a relationship that's completely open and honest, and vulnerable, that which I did not experience 
growing up. I also want to preface this by saying there's no blame. There's no blame that I place on my mom or my parents. It, it, it was what it was. It just is. Real life is not filtered. So, I was not abused physically. I was not sexually abused. In fact, if you look back at my life growing up, <laughs> it is what I thought it was. The perfect upbringing. Perfect, right? That's what I always thought. You know, because I had a grandma and grandpa that loved me very much. I recall hanging out on the farm in Idaho before their divorce and sipping root beer from the jug, A&W root beer out there on the patio, picking raspberries, uh, playing, going out and, and playing with the cows. I mean, what a, what a perfect, perfect childhood, right? Then if it was so perfect... Why, as an adult, did it feel like nails on a chalkboard to say the words I love you to my husband, to my mom, to my grandma, to my grandpa, to my children at times? As babies, it was easy, but when they started to get older, it started to feel uncomfortable to say those words while looking into their eyes. Why, if my childhood was so perfect, did I have a hard time getting within close proximity of my husband's face, looking into each other's eyes, saying I love you, saying I want to make love to you? Why were those things uncomfortable? Why were hugs uncomfortable? And quite honestly, when somebody would say, I love you to me, with the exception of my children, I would feel like they were saying it because they had to, because they felt that they were supposed to, not because there was anything genuinely from their heart behind those words. And most recently, trying to think back uh, to moments in my life when I felt love, meaning where somebody held me as a child or said I love you or let me sit in their arms while I cried. I cannot even, I, I cannot recall one time in my life that that happened for me. So I guess you could say I didn't learn it. I did not learn how to love. I did not feel what true love could feel like. Of course my mom loved me with all of her heart. Of course she did. Of course. So did my grandma, so did my grandpa, but they were unable to show it for whatever reason in their life where things didn't change. They didn't personally grow in that way. And so that carried on through my generation and thankfully not beyond me, <laughs> not beyond me. What I did pick up 
from my upbringing is that families provide for one another. Uh, the men in the families work very, very, very hard. Uh, my grandfather, of course, he was a farmer, and then he worked for a company called Kaiser Aluminum until he retired, which I think he ended up being there 30 years or so. Uh, same with my stepfather. Work hard, work shifts, work, 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 and provide. That's what the men in my family did. My mom, she raised me from age three to about age 10 alone. So she was a hard worker as well during that time. She uh, was a single mom and she worked as a bank teller and uh, definitely provided for us. We didn't have uh, anything extravagant, that's for sure. Our big, um, exciting expenditure nights were her Fridays when she got her paycheck. We would get a Tony's pizza, a carton of chocolate chip mint ice cream, and sweet tarts. That was our, that was how we, that's where we met on a level of love. And that's the truth. Looked greatly forward to those nights with my mama. So that could possibly explain some of my future issues <laughs> surrounding food. So just a little more quick history. Uh, I was born when my parents were 17 years old. And that was back in the 70s. I was born in 1970. And that was a time, right, when drugs were more prevalent, so I hear. My father was, uh, according to my mother, heavily into drugs. And he was abusive, though I don't remember. He was kicked out of our house when I was three. So from three to about a 10 or 11, somewhere in there, there was no male figure in my life except for my grandfather who was working as i mentioned all of the time in junior high high school i found myself to put it softly finding my attention through promiscuity uh, multiple partners and seeking attention from males in that way until, of course, I met my husband, and I'm sure, <laughs> well, that's, that's how that developed as well. But God works in great ways because he brought me the hardest worker, but ultimately the man that was going to show me what true love felt like, what value of a person really looks like, and what intimacy can feel like when there's true, full connection. But let me tell you, <laughs> he had to work for that. He had to work 20 years without giving up to find that person. At the same time, I was going through the personal development and getting real with 
what actually took place for me as a young adult child. Like I said, I was not abused physically or sexually. But what I did come to find out is that when my father, my stepfather entered the picture, a man who I saw as very passive, so calm, so soothing of a person. He is huge heart, huge heart, love him to pieces. But I saw him as just subordinate to my mom. She was very powerful. He was very quiet and he did not hug me either. And he did not tell me I love you either. Now I know why. Now that my mom is in a state of what some would call dementia, some would call mental illness, some would call the side effects of Parkinson's disease, some of the truth comes out. So a few years ago, my father, my stepfather, shared with me that he was not able to really hug on me or love on me because it made my mom very uncomfortable. She felt as though it was flirtatious in nature. She felt as though it was coming on to me, which of course I didn't know these things. I didn't understand why I wasn't hugged or loved or why? What? Why am I not close to my stepfather? Why can I not hug him? Why is it uncomfortable? What is that weirdness between the two of us? I didn't know until just recently. I didn't know. What I did know is that in 2007, when I did an MPC bikini competition, and I come home so proud, it was such a journey for me. I had lost so much fat. I had overcome such obstacles. I've had, I had such big breakthroughs with my eating issues. And I brought this big stack of pictures home from the stage. And neither my stepdad nor my mom gave them any look or feeling or emotion. In fact, I felt dirty. And I didn't know why. didn't know why. Something that meant so much to me. Why did it need to be brushed under the rug? Why did it need to be hidden? And I go back and I think to when I was younger. And there were programs. In fact, there were broken televisions because of programs with women that were dressed, dressed scantily wasn't allowed to be in my house. Breasts were not allowed to be shown. Um, my father, I guess you, you, my stepfather, you could say was in trouble often because of the fact that he was looking at other woman, women, something that I didn't understand because I didn't see it. Uh, but in my mom's eyes, that's what was taking place. Come full circle, I become a young woman, I develop breasts, I become 
um, attractive and I was a threat and didn't know it. Hence, <laughs> the lack of, of love, the lack of acceptance, uh, the lack of vulnerability between relationships and the three of us, um, the unseen thing that was there that I didn't know what it was, uh, me feeling dirty, which led to a marriage where sex felt dirty. It felt strange to get close to each other. It felt strange to look into each other's eyes. And it led to years in the beginning of jealousy and accusations of him looking at other women, wanting other women, um, desiring the women that he would see on TV, just going down the same exact path, going down the same exact path. I recall one time uh, before we were married, we were dating, but I was uh, actually living with him and his grandfather. Uh, Sports Illustrated Swimsuit Issue was on HBO <laughs> and I recall, I mean, this was serious, people. This was serious. It was a gut-wrenching sickness to see him watching that program. The movie Roadhouse, if you're familiar with that movie, like I could still feel it like it was yesterday because of how deeply hurtful it was for me to sit and watch him look at a naked woman at that time in my life. Um, watching the Sports Illustrated issue, having to, I just had to get up and go into the bathroom, cry, feel sick. I could see red. I was red with rage. Like I could see red. It was that prominent in my being that he wanted them. He didn't want me. All that men want is sex and they will dump you for somebody else if somebody else looks better than you. That was my beliefs. And again, I don't blame because that came from somewhere and what a terrible, terrible feeling to know that my mom never learned that that's not at all reality. Yes, men are visual. Men see beauty just like we do, just like women do. We see the beauty in other women. It doesn't mean anything more than that. If you're connecting on a level that's deep, with your significant other. So basically, a couple of years ago, as my mom started to lose um, her ability, her cognitive ability, it, it comes and goes, it comes and goes. But as she started to lose that, my stepdad opened up to me and he told me that that's why he couldn't hug me, that's why he was distant. Um, I had no idea. 
I had no idea till that moment. And it was at that moment when he also shared with me that my mom was now referring to me as the, the woman with the big boobs. Oh, you just want the woman with the big boobs to come visit. To hear that that's the way that your parent sees you, that's a cold dose of reality. That's a freaking cold dose of reality. When you think that you grew up in a perfect world, <laughs> but you're wondering why all these things aren't so perfect in your marriage and why you look at other people that are just loving and hugging on each other and that just looks like something you want so badly, but you don't. It, it's like so foreign. It's so foreign to you. The secret is getting to know the truth. The truth will set you free and that's so true. It's so true. The truth will set you free. And then you just accept what the truth was. It is. It made you who you are. And you start to improve upon that. You forgive. And holding my mom this morning in that dream, I wouldn't have wanted to be anywhere else. In fact, I want to do that right now. The poor thing, that's how I see her. And the way to forgive people, by the way, is to be empathetic. Be empathetic with where they came from. What they had to go through. I mean, if this woman never was able to fully love like I am now, that's, that's, that's hell. That is living in a hell. After what my husband has shown me and the personal development I've been through has shown me, I know that there, back there, was, was a true hell. And I just want to add one more part to this story because he deserves it. My dad. My biological father passed away. Uh, I did not spend my growing up and young adult life with him or middle adult life with him. My mom had reinforced a fear in me and maybe rightfully so back then as I mentioned he was uh, 17 there was a time when drugs were prevalent and he was a yogi <laughs> I guess is that the proper terminology he he studied uh, that type of thing Buddhism yoga uh, so she saw him as crazy um, raised me thinking that he was going to kidnap me. So when I would see him in our small little town of Post Falls, I would run. I was scared to death of my father. Bad, bad man. Drug addict, uh, going to kidnap me, going to hurt me. And so it wasn't until I was in my 30s that, late 30s, was it late 30s? Yes. That I, ha I felt 
It pressed upon me a voice so strong. You've got to go see for yourself. You have to go see for yourself. If this man is somebody you want in your life, if this man is what you think he is, and so I sought him out. And we had a connection that was undisputable. <laughs> Such a uh, peaceful spirit, this man had, very hard worker, uh, devoted his life to his faith and work. And shortly after I reconnected with him, he was in a car accident. And here was the situation. He reached out to me and told me, you know, he was in a, in a little fender bender. And he said that he had passed out um, right there, you know, in Coeur d'Alene, Hayden area. And hit, bumped into the car in front of him. So he went and had some medical tests to see why he had, quote, passed out. Turns out he had a very aggressive brain tumor. And he passed away very shortly after I met him as an adult. But there's no question that that man is with me. There's no question that he's uh, very present and I'm, I'm very connected. Though I didn't get to spend the time here on earth with him, he's still with me. And so... I hope that you found some value in this today and this podcast station is just going to get more and more real as we bring guests on who also have imperfections, perfect imperfections, right, in their life that can help you. That's my vision for this podcast station, to bring those out, to not only heal them, but to help you to see that what you've been through and what you're going through is not so uncommon and that you have people that you can reach out to and lock arms with. And it's us. It's us here at Tina K. Raw. And so thank you for listening today and for enabling me to heal through truth. And I hope that you'll join me for the next Tina K. Raw, where we have extraordinary people encouraging real talk for self-growth. Because real life is not filtered. It just is. And if you want to find out more about what I do, visit tinasmithrn.com. Hope to meet you soon.